0: The reading for today is taken from Colossians 1, verse 15 to 23. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Welcome back. Thanks Sadie um, for reading and thank you for the Hutton family for praying. If you can have the Bible open to chapter 1 of Colossians 15 to 23 and we'll be going over there but let's pray um, that God will speak to us through this passage. Lord we thank you um, that your word is powerful, that it has the power to change our lives, that it has the power to comfort uh, those who are mourning uh, the, the power to grow us um, in you, power to uh, uh, con- uh, help us to continue going in our faith. Lord, we pray that your word will come to us, that we will receive it gladly, that your word will bear fruit in our minds, in our hearts, and our, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder what you do when you uh, feel like the gospel the message that you have received isn't enough. You know, maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and you have grown, but uh, you you not feel stagnant. You're not growing anymore. Uh, what do you do when you feel spiritually dry? You pray and you read the Bible, but you, know, you feel like you're in a desert and God's far away still. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you do feel that God is with you, but you look at the world and you think the gospel is not enough to change the world. It feels powerless. It's not doing enough in the world. What do you do? And some people walk away from the faith. Some people say, well, this is not for me. Some people turn to activism, saying actually, I'm going to bring a piece of God's kingdom to the world. Some people actually change the gospel or they want to add to the message that we've received and saying actually, that was a good start, but we need something else. We need something else on top of what we've received. In a way, the Colossians, this this book is written to people who thought actually, who who were thinking like that. Maybe the gospel isn't enough. And Paul says, that's not true. Don't give up. He says, don't give up on the faith that you've received because it is sufficient. Don't give up uh, 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 on the faith because uh, uh, the gospel is enough and it's powerful enough to change not just your life, but change the whole world. And our job is to stay, to continue in the faith that we've received, dig our heels and continue and point to the, the finished work of Jesus. So the sufficiency of the gospel, the, the, the scale and the settled work of the gospel. I don't know about you, but we're often or we're seldom satisfied with the things that we have. We often want an upgrade of things that we have, right? We want an upgrade of the phones or the, the, the computers or cars or even houses and friends. and <laughs> The people that you have in your life, people want an upgrade. Well, it seems that that was what was happening. Uh, in Colossian church, these false teachers are coming and saying, you need an upgrade from the gospel that you received. Yeah, I mean, it was a good start. Jesus was a great start. Uh, How could it be any better? But actually, you need to add these practices. You need to add these little knowledges to make your spiritual life more fulfilling, to go deeper into God. You need to add to uh, the gospel. Of course, that's foolish. And Paul shows us why this is foolish. And he says it's foolish because the gospel is supreme. The gospel is sufficient because Jesus is supreme because Jesus is sufficient. Let I me mean, take a look at who Jesus is. Paul says in verse 15, He's the image of the invisible God. People say Barnabas looks like me. Barney looks like me, uh, but I can't say. Well, if you've seen Barney, you've seen me. But Jesus can about God the Father. Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You have seen God himself. I am the exact representation of who God is. And Paul adds to that in verse 19. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. The fullness of God is in Jesus. There's nothing lacking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the fullness of God. Every attribute that can be attributed to God the Father can be attributed to Jesus. Jesus is fully God. How can anything be added to Jesus? when he is God, when he has created all things, when he holds all things, when, uh, when, when he is uh, the, the final authority over all things. Of course, the gospel is sufficient because Jesus is sufficient. As some people do get tripped up on this word though, uh, the firstborn firstborn of creation. Uh, Arius in the second century or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses even today say actually Jesus is not God, but he's the firstborn of God. That He's the first one, first of the creation. But don't let that trip you up. That can't possibly mean that if we look at the rest of the context and and see Jesus' relationship with the rest of the creation. Take a look. Jesus isn't part of the creation. He's the one who created everything. Verse 16, right? Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. powers, rulers, authorities. This is a, uh, scholars think that um, this is referring to the spiritual world. Even the spiritual world, the invisible part that we don't know anything about, Jesus created that too. He's not, he's not first of the spiritual world. He has created the spiritual world. Not only everything was created through Him, everything was, exists for Him. Exists for Him. We exist for Jesus. The universe exists for Jesus. The spiritual world exists for Jesus. The angels exist for Jesus. And He's before all things. Um, And He also holds uh, things together in Him. In Him. He sustains all things. He's the glue that sustains all things. If Jesus decided, if Jesus decided not to hold it together, the universe would instantly dissolve. Instantly dissolve. Now the firstborn cannot possibly mean that he's the he's one the first of the creatures and NIV gets it right when he says he's uh, over over all things over all creation in the context it means that he's first in honor over all things, if you're the firstborn, right, you, um, uh, you inherited everything that is your father's, everything that your father owned uh, was yours, you were the master of the house, that's what Jesus, uh, that, that's what this means, that he's the firstborn, he Is that he has authority over all creation, everything that is of the fathers, it's his, because he is the, the, the in, uh, he is a visible image of the invisible God, I wonder if that's how you think of Jesus. Uh, The most beautiful man (laughs) that I've ever seen in my life is a man named Damien Lewis. For those of you who don't know him, he's an actor known uh, for Bands of Brothers, *Band of Brothers, or um, Homeland, among many others. I was at a restaurant uh, near the British Library with a friend eating, and my friend uh, went up and he saw him and he went and started to talk, go and talk to him. Apparently they went to high school together. But, and if you know me, you also know that I actually don't recall anything. Um, the details are lost on me. And, uh, but <laughs> on that, that, that lunch, I remember what this man, Damien Lewis, was wearing. <laughs> I remember how tall he was. I remember how he sort of exuded this charisma. and I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I tell you this uh, uh, slightly disturbing story to tell you, um, that some people command attention like that. When they walk in, you have to pay attention to them. The pre- their presence uh, fill up the room, and people are drawn to them. See, Jesus fills up the universe. Not just fills up the universe, God who created the universe, God who's much bigger than the universe, Fills Jesus up. He's the fullness of God. He's not somebody that we can ignore. He's certainly not somebody that you can have as your butler or as a genie that you sort of sidekick of your life who wishes, uh, who, who grants your wishes. No, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is the center of the universe. Jesus is the center of the story of the universe. And the good thing about that is that with Him as our Savior. With Him as our Savior, there is nothing else that we need uh, uh, to, to add to this story of salvation. No angels nor spiritual powers can be added. No part of the creation can be added. No uh, s- s- special person can be added to the story. Jesus has accomplished everything because He is the, the God who has created all things and He is our Savior. Jesus is more than enough to save and sustain and recreate the church. As Pastor Dick Lucas writes, How strange if he who is sufficient to sustain a universe should be insufficient in power for the little church in Colossae. See, no upgrade is necessary in our salvation story. It's not possible in our salvation story because Jesus is supreme. And he is sufficient. And it's not just that. Not only is he sufficient, but what he has done, the bigness of our salvation story, the scale of our salvation story tells us that actually nothing else can be added. It's sufficient because of the scale of the gospel. We often talk about the gospel as if it's our sort of post-mortem insurance plan. The gospel is good news because, well, it tells me that I can go to heaven when I die. Yeah, it's about me and where I go when I die. That's the small gospel, I mean, it's certainly there. People talk about how the gospel is good news because, well, it tells me that God is with me. That's certainly there and that's certainly true. But that's not how Paul talks about the gospel. Take a look at verse 23, I mean, he says, this is the gospel that you've heard. This passage explains the gospel. Well, how did he start? Uh, Let's take a look at verse 15. He started the gospel story by saying that actually that God, Jesus, has created all things. Part of the reason why he said that is because he wants to say Jesus cares for for, for the whole creation, the invisible, the visible world, the heaven and the earth. Jesus is the creator and he cares for all of these things. You see, our salvation story, the gospel story, isn't just about me and us and God. It's about the renewal. It's about the recreation of the entire world. Everything that we can see and everything that we can't even see, we don't even know that's there. That's the bigness of the salvation story. But that the creation needed salvation means actually that it's out of kilt. It's not quite right. It, well, it's not uh, uh, the, the way that it's supposed to be. The earth isn't supposed to produce thorns and thistles for our work. It's not supposed to be like that. Uh, the creation is not supposed to be in adversarial relationship with human beings. We're not supposed to take advantage of the creation, right? And we're not supposed to be harmed by the creation like we are now. When this pandemic started in April of last year, I, um, I, um, I wonder if you've seen this picture, this report of a town about 100 miles away from the Himalayas in India who woke up, the people woke up, they went up to their, uh, their, um, the top of their homes and things and saw this. They saw the Himalayas for the first time in their life. <laughs> because the pollution had been so bad, not just for a few years, not just in pockets, but for decades, they didn't know that they could see the Himalayas right there. You see, the cre- creation, is groaning, it's groaning and it's suffering because of sin, because of the sin that fills the world, and it's not just the creation. All the structures, all aspects of life of the universe is affected by sin. Nations are not supposed to uh, have this uh, this conflict, uh, you know, conflict between nations and races and classes, conflicts at home, in the workplaces, between bosses and workers, between husband and wives, between children and parents. Every aspect of the creation is groaning, it's fallen. It's subject to creation, um, uh, frustration, as Paul writes in Romans 8. So God became a human being. God filled up right Jesus Jesus uh, God became a human being in Jesus so that verse 20 through him he could reconcile all things everything whether things on earth and things in heaven I hope you can see the scale of our salvation he didn't just come to whisk us away to heaven he came to reconcile the spiritual world, the universe, the aching earth, polluted sky, the nations, races, classes, and families' work, all things back to himself, to put everything under his rule so that everything will be made right. That's the scale of his work. Now, how did he do this? Well, it hasn't happened yet fully. Jesus was described, if you remember, in verse 15 as the firstborn over the creation. But did you notice in verse 18 that he is described as the head of the church? He's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. Firstborn among the dead. That can't possibly mean that he's the first person to come back from the dead, right? Lazarus did that. And the son of Shimonite woman in the Old Testament did that. It can't mean that. What does that mean, that he's the firstborn among the dead? The thing is, no matter what you do, no matter how well you eat, how much you exercise, no matter how well you sleep, eventually, you will die. Eventually, everything in this creation will die. (laughs) This earth and everything will die, will come to an end. But it will not stay dead. There will be, li- there is life after death. And it's not just in spiritual form. You see, at some point, Jesus will come back. And the whole earth will be renewed. Everything living will be renewed. Like all the people uh, will be renewed. We will come back to life. And what, when, Jesus, uh, when Paul says he's the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, it means that he's the beginning of the new creation. And He is supreme over all creation. He is the firstborn, not just of the old creation, but in the new creation. And everything will be put under the subject of His rule. And everything will be made right. So don't think little of the gospel. The gospel is about the coming of the world that we all long for when we're frustrated about our sickness, when we're frustrated about the politics of this world, our workplace, and all of that, the gospel is the solution to all of that. It's about the renewal of the whole world. That's what Jesus has done as the beginning and the firstborn over from uh, from the dead. And I know that the gospel sometimes looks small right now. The only piece of the new creation that you can see today, right now, is the church. And <laughs> let's face it, the church looks sometimes small. It looks insignificant. It looks like it's struggling. But friends, it will not always be that way. You've heard of the, you've heard of the, the story that Jesus is teaching, you know, the, the parable of the mustard seed and on the mustard seed of the church, the kingdom of God will grow. The gospel will grow and the new creation will come and the people who belong to him, people who are part of the new creation will fill up the whole universe. That's the bigness of our salvation. That's what Jesus has accomplished when he died and rose again. That's the gospel that you have heard. You see then, you see how actually then coming of God's kingdom does not depend on us, on our efforts, on the things that we do, on our ministry, on our skills and knowledge. It's done. It's completed. uh, Our job is to uh, point to the settled and finished work of God, work of Jesus. Pastor Dick Lucas in this uh, commentary says again, in the case of Colossian visitors, it seems like likely that Christ's cross was not at the center of their teaching. Perhaps they were tempted, as we are, to shift the center of gravity from the historical faith to locate the place of power in their own ministry. The people in the Colossian um, church who were trying to convince these, uh, the, the young Christians um, to sort of their version of the faith are saying, actually, yes, what Jesus has done back then, that was great. But look, you need to pay attention to what we are doing, the knowledge that we're dispensing, the practices that we're teaching you. You should focus on what we are doing right now instead of what was done for you on the cross. And Paul says, no, 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 no. work is done. Jesus' work is done. Our focus shouldn't be so much on what we do today, to what we learn or practice now, but what has been done already. Verse 20, He's reconciled all things and made peace already through his blood shed on the cross. So uh, put the things are put in past tense, right? In verse 21, you were, you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of our, your evil behavior. Verse 22, but now, but now he has reconciled by uh, us by Christ's physical body through his death. The work is done. Sometimes, as a pastor, I wonder, what if I were a better, I mean, I wonder what would make me a better pastor? What if I were more spiritual? What if I were more, maybe if I had the gift of healing, or gift of prophecy, or if I were somehow uh, closer um, to God than I am? I've not ever performed a single miracle. I don't have a direct line to God. I don't have any special knowledge that comes directly uh, from God. I'm not doing anything special in Shatin Church, Um, but I don't have to. I don't have to because Jesus has done everything. He has reconciled the world and us to himself through his death on the cross. And because he is the head, Because he's working in his body, he will make us grow. He will strengthen us and empower us to keep going and to bear fruit of the gospel. You see, my job is not to dispense some special uh, uh, practices or special knowledge. My job is to point you back to the finished uh, work of Jesus. And that's your job as well for one another. That's what we are called to do. To point each other to the finished work of Jesus. So let's continue, friends. Verse 23. Let's continue in our faith. Established and firm. And not move from the hope held out in the gospel. There are people who are struggling to believe that the work is finished. Point them to Jesus. Jesus. There are people who are so focused on doing more and more. Point them to the finished work of Jesus. Uh, to the ones who, 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 who think they're too guilty, uh, too blemished. Uh, uh, and they are, uh, um, Satan is constantly accusing them. Tell them that they are freed from accusations. That they are without blemish because of Jesus. The work is done. The Mission is a 1986 film about a a Guarani community that converted to Catholicism. In the middle of the jungle, this little community became like heaven on earth. But towards the end of the movie, for various reasons, uh, it comes under attack. And Robert De De Niro's character, he was a monk. He gives up his um, position as a monk and he picks up a gun. He trains others to fight the soldiers that are coming. Father Gabriel, played by Jeremy Irons, fiercely opposes fighting back. That's not how the gospel community is supposed to respond. Um, That's not how Jesus taught us to live. We're not supposed to just respond to violence with more violence. The army eventually comes. Robert De, Niro, De, Niro, De Niro's character dies, but as he dies, he sort of opens his, up, opens his eyes to see what uh, Father Gabriel is doing. He has organized a communion service, a Eucharist, a reminder of Jesus's death for the salvation of the whole world. As the soldiers uh, fire guns at him, he picks up, not a gun, but the cross, and he marches forward, and he is shot. But then another person then runs to the cross, he picks it up and continues to march. After this event, we're transported at the end of the movie uh, between a ta- uh, to a table conversation between the powers that made this tragedy happen. And one person <coughs> says, you had no alternative. We must work in the world, and the world is thus. You must work in the world, and the world is thus." To which the church says, yes, the world is thus, but we are not of the world. Jesus is our head. We are his new creation. We are his kingdom. We are to live differently. We are to have a hope that is different from the rest of the world. You know, there are times when we will think that the gospel is not sufficient. It's not sufficient for our spiritual life. It's not sufficient to change the world. It's not sufficient to bring us back to God. For all those times, we turn to Christ. We point one another to the finished work of Christ. And if I could write the movie, the ending of the movie, I would end it like this. The movie doesn't show this, but, you know, if, if Father Gabriel, uh, he, he dies, but I wouldn't have that be the ending. When he, I, I would have it like this. I would have his eyes be opened, take a, a next deep breath. But that time will be in the new creation. He lives. People who, are, who die like this live because Jesus is uh, the head of the church. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the beginning of a new creation. Friends, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed under every creature in heaven. Friends, continue. Stand firm. Let's pray. Lord, the gospel looks weak to the world. Lord, the gospel seems to not make sense in light of a current circumstance. Lord, the gospel doesn't seem enough to bring us uh, close to you, to enjoy our close relationship with you now. Lord, we pray now that through the power of your word, you would strengthen our faith in you, that you would grow our love and hope in you, that we may continue, that we may continue to stand firm in the faith and the good news that you have given us and hold on to the hope of the gospel. Lord, help us to keep going today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.